Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Here it is again, another edition of Growing in Grace, what you've been waiting for all week long. <laughs> Wait no longer. Pins and needles. Uh, <laughs> Mike and Joel here with you again to talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. Hope you're having a good time out there. If things are just feeling like they're a little bit of a struggle right now, you know, sometimes that's life in this world. But even in the middle of all that, we've still got this good news to be encompassed with. And uh, we're looking forward to some pretty good stuff here talking about identity in Christ. And I know this may sound repetitive for some of you who have been listening to us for a while, but we always try to bring a new perspective because, let's face it, the Scriptures are vast. Grace and love and uh, the, the things regarding the, the knowledge of God, I mean, they're, they're so deep and so wide there's always more to learn, and I think it will be that way forever, probably. How you doing, Joel? Yeah, doing really well. And, uh, yeah, there's always more to learn, and there's also this thing called renewing the mind. And so if we uh, you know, go over some things that we've been over in the past, that's, that's a good thing, because it's good to hear some of these things over and over again. And like you say, we can uh, always have uh, some new perspectives uh, that maybe over the course of time we've, we've accumulated and, and share those things. So it's all good, all good uh, repeating things. And, you know, this whole identity issue, you know, Cap, we, we uh, are, are teaching a class at church and uh, something really stuck out to me, and I'm sure it stuck out to you too, uh, this past week. This older couple is in our class, and they've been in the church all their lives in various different uh, denominations and backgrounds that they've had over the years. And we were sharing some things in this class about the, uh, the New Covenant and the Old Covenant, and the things that we've been sharing, they've told us outrightly, we've never in our whole, all these years in church... We've never heard this stuff before. No one's ever told us. That's kind of the gist of what they shared with us. They've heard, you're going to hell. They've, they've memorized the Ten Commandments in church. They would memorize them week after week after week, always hearing the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, and you better live up to this standard and, and things like that. And we're telling them about their new identity in Christ uh, and how the Old Covenant has been made obsolete and all these things. And you can see the gears working in their heads. They're wanting to get it, and I think they are getting it and understanding it. And at the same time, they say, you know, there's a lot lot of stuff, a lot of stuff to learn here, a lot of junk to get rid of, and a lot of new stuff to learn. So I think it's always good to go over this identity stuff. Yeah, uh, since I'm there with you, I know exactly what you're talking about, <laughs> because we can see the expression on their face and the passion in their voice, and, and you can almost see the, the rubber bands in their minds going twang, you know, because <laughs> yeah. there's just this, mm -hmm. this big change that's going on inside of them. And it's interesting, because it's a lot to take in when so much of what you have been taught by religion has missed the mark. Mm -hmm. And now, now you're hearing this thing about the new covenant, identity in Christ, righteousness by faith, identity in him, unconditional love, and all, all these kinds of things. And, and, and seeing the, the covenant separate and realizing that we were never under the first one, it's a lot to take in for people who have had this as a part of their mindset 
for their entire life. And so uh, it's, it's also exciting uh, because you, you can see they're, they're trying to absorb it, but I don't know how to describe it, Joel. It's one of those things where if you've ever seen like a TV show or something, or maybe you've experienced it personally, somebody's out in the desert, right? They're on the brink of death because they haven't had a drink of water for so long. And then when somebody rescues them or they get to that place where there's water to drink, uh, they try to drink it so fast, they almost hurt themselves doing that. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, sometimes you can only take in so much at a time, right. <laughs> no matter no matter how thirsty you are. <laughs> and yeah. so there's definitely a hunger and a thirst there for, for this thing that we call the righteousness of God. And once people begin to understand it, then the, the hunger and the thirst goes away. You just, you just enjoy it. Uh, you don't have to hunger and thirst for it because you realize it's a part of who you are. And then that part of who we are is is what the church really needs to know. I mean, the the who we are in Christ. The, you know, there's a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of a, a lot of work to do uh, that we've got when it comes to helping people to understand who we are in Christ. And and that's a good thing. You know, we uh, we enjoy being able to help people to be free in Christ uh, the way that He intended for us to be. Said it over again, over and over again. One of my favorite verses: "It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do." Do not let yourselves be burdened again by your yoke of slavery. That's Galatians 5.1. And so some of the things that keep people in bondage, this yoke of slavery, is, uh, well, all the lies and that are taught in church, and they're not necessarily, you know, the people who teach these things aren't trying to lie. It's just what they know. And one of these things, for example, Jeremiah 17.9, I mean, this is a verse that a lot of people in the church know. They hear this, and they think that it's true of them. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. That's Jeremiah 17.9, and we open up our Bibles, we, we read that verse, and we think, wow, you know, that's me, because I know some of the things that I do. Man, that's my desperately wicked heart that's in action there. Hold on, though. That's just not true. That was true under the Old Covenant. In Adam, this was true. The heart was wicked, deceitful. In Christ, though, there's this contrast because there's something that happened when we were raised together with Christ, and we became one with him. We joined him in his life, and he joined us in our life. We are in him, and he is in us, and he has given us a new heart, and put a new spirit in us. That's what the scriptures say about that. And so this old self, this old person that we were in Adam that had a wicked and deceitful heart, it was wicked and deceitful. Now, though, Ezekiel Ezekiel 36, God said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And in Christ, that is what's happened to us. And so when people see some of these differences in the way it was in Adam versus the way it is for us in Christ, hopefully that will free some people up and realize, wow, I do desire these things that are new and and holy and righteous. Uh, Sometimes I get torn the other way, but that's not the new me. That's not who I am. That's not who I am in Christ, uh, because in Christ I've been made new. And there we are talking about the two covenants again. The, the first, the old covenant for the Jewish people that we were never under. Yeah, Joel, people think of the Bible, right? We, we got. I'm holding the Bible in my hand right now. It's got the Old Testament. It's got the New Testament. I don't know. I guess this thing's a couple thousand pages, my particular Bible. And um, we, we believe that the, the Scripture is the Word of God, that it is truth. 
And so we, we make the assumption then, not understanding that we have an old covenant that's been replaced with a new covenant, not understanding that causes us to say, well, it's all truth and it all somehow applies to me. Well, not everything in the Bible applies to you and me directly, but that doesn't mean that it isn't supposed to be there. It was written for a reason. It's still there to help our understanding of the gospel, even though certain verses or certain passages of Scripture may not necessarily be directly applied to us today. And you just gave a great example of that, a perspective of the Old Covenant and a perspective of the New Covenant. So understanding that changes everything about this book that we call the Bible. Just like the the phrase, a sinner saved by grace. I mean, how many times have you heard that phrase and said it yourself? I I know I did for years. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And I'd kind of walk around sort of slumped over in, in a state of defeat. That was my posture. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, there's not much I can do about it. I just shrug, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And and uh, so what would that do for me? It would keep me in a place of, of defeat and guilt and condemnation and wondering, and this is something we should never have to wonder as believers in Christ, wondering where I stood with God on any given day. A simple phrase like, well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Well, it, it makes sense to the religious mind because, you know, we were uh, declared sinners and we were indeed through Christ saved by grace. But now in Christ, we're not defined as sinners anymore. We're defined as saints and and righteous children of God. And we'll talk more about that. But I'm just saying that you're no longer defined as a sinner when it comes to the inward man, the heart, like what you were talking about, Joel. Yeah, that's where this, like you're saying, the, the difference between the covenants and the fact that we're no longer, and, and actually as Gentiles, we were never under that first covenant. <laughs> but either way, the covenant is new. It's a new covenant, because we were talking about how in Jeremiah it says one thing, and then in Ezekiel, God said that in this new covenant, he would give us a new heart and put a new spirit within us. And Hebrews goes on, Hebrews 8 goes on and quotes that, quotes from Ezekiel, talking about this new covenant. And Hebrews 8, 13 says, in that he says a new covenant, that is, in that God says a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. And so that old covenant we're no longer under. Jews are no longer under that covenant when they come to Christ. And in Christ, as Gentiles, uh, we never were under that covenant in the first place. And so the thing is, the good news is, is that either way, we are in this new covenant. We've been given this new heart. We have a new life. The person that we were in Adam died, and we became a new creation. Old things passed away, and all things have been made new. And so now in Christ, we've been sanctified, we've been perfected. These are words that the New Testament writers use uh, to describe us. We've been made holy, we've been made righteous. We are, like you say, Cap, we are no longer a sinner. We're righteous, we're a saint. And these things that we sometimes do that don't live up to that the reality of who we are. Paul said in Romans, that's no longer I, but it's sin that lives in me. And the people have debated whether he was talking about the person he was before he came to Christ or the person who he is in Christ. But either way, it's not us who does it because that's not who we are. That's not our identity. Our identity is saint, holy, righteous, and uh, we've been perfected in Christ. And that's what makes it a better covenant. 
Isaiah said, this is a prophecy, but God said in Isaiah, uh, in a favorable time, I have answered you, speaking to his son, Jesus. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you and I will keep you and give you for a covenant of the people to restore the land, to make them inherit the desolate heritages. They will not hunger or thirst. So this this new covenant, it's not just a document. It's not just an agreement like the Jews under the old covenant where we try to hold up our end of the deal. Jesus is the covenant. And the covenant between him and the Father is what allows this this established covenant, this new covenant, to be so much better upon because it was made with the Son. You and I cannot mess up this covenant. We've received an inheritance through this covenant after Jesus died. Well, looking ahead to next week's Growing in Grace podcast, you know you've heard expressions such as, I want to be more like Jesus, or we're supposed to be followers, or disciples of Christ. Well, did you know that after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Acts, in all of the epistles of Paul and the other epistle writers in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, they write a lot about our identity in Christ, but they don't talk about this other stuff, being a follower or a disciple of Christ or being like Jesus. Again, lots of identity talk, but none of this other stuff. We'll talk about that next week right here on Growing in Grace at growingingrace.org. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.